Hello again, I'm Tony Payne, and welcome to another edition of The Painful Truth. I have to admit, I made a blunder in last week's Painful Truth. Yes, I hear you say you decided to write in rather short, simplistic fashion about feminism. You really should have known. But no, that's not what I mean. I'll come back to last week's article on feminism in a few minutes. What I'm talking about is that when I discussed becoming a partner of the painful truth last time, I said that from September the 4th onwards, only partners would get the painful truth every week, and those on the free list would get it every three weeks or so. What I meant to say was not September the 4th, but August the 4th, which is of course next week. And I'm sorry about that. And for the blessing among you who have already joined up as partners, and thank you once again, that won't make much difference. You're all set. You'll keep getting the painful truth every week. But for those who haven't gotten around to doing that as yet, it means the time you have to get organized is starting to get short. If you'd like to get next week's edition and to keep reading or listening every week, you've got to do one of two things. You've got to join as a partner. And to do that, go over to the website, that's thepainfultruth.online, enter your email uh, there in the subscribe box and click join and go through to the options and choose whether you'd like to become a monthly or an annual or even a lifetime partner. Um, or if you're not in a position to do that financially or for whatever reason at this point, but would still like to get every edition every week, just send me an email. That's no problem at all. Very glad to put you on the free list, the free weekly list, that is. Uh, but just let me know if that's what you'd like to do. Send me an email at tonyjpain at me.com. That's tonyjpain at me.com. And the message just has to read, please put me on the free weekly list. And I'll do that no sweat. That's fine. But of course, if you're content just to get the occasional free edition of this podcast every third week or so, uh, there's no need to do anything. That's what will happen by default. And I'm really glad to have you on board. God bless you. And I'm delighted that you are happy to get this material uh, every few weeks. That's fine. I would like also to say thank you to the numbers of you who got in touch about my little article on feminism. I asked you to help me improve my little summary. And you've helped me do that in a number of ways. And I've now posted an updated version on the website with those improvements included. Of course, the main weakness in my little summary was also its strength, and that is that it was so short. And if you'd like to read something on this subject that goes into a little more detail and has more background and more nuance, I suppose you'd say, I'd like to suggest two articles, by one by Katie Stringer and one by Ruth Baker, both of whom got in touch and interacted very graciously with me about the article. And if you want to zip over to the website, to thepainfultruth.online, to the text version of this post, you can find all the details there uh, of Katie's and Ruth's articles. Some of you asked for more on the subject, um, particularly about the other side of the coin, that is, the ways in which men have been part of this problem, and indeed how men should respond to the way feminism has unfolded over the past many decades. I think this is worth addressing. I've started to draft a companion piece. I suppose we'll call it the shortest summary of masculism ever or something. And if I manage to get over my own masculine failings, I'll send that out in the next few weeks. But on to this week's subject. What if ministry doesn't work? In the recent series I've been running called Essential Services, I've been talking about the non-negotiables or essentials 
of church and ministry life, partly as we think about returning to normal church and ministry life post-COVID. And I've argued that our essential task is to be Christ's fellow workers in building his heavenly church. That's the big goal. And that the nature of our work, the work we do in Christ and through him and for him and by his spirit, could be simply described as the apostolic ministry of word and prayer. Nice and easy. Very simple. But someone emailed back with a very good question. What if that doesn't work? What if you've been laboring away faithfully in the word and prayer, whether you're a pastor or a keen involved layperson in a ministry somewhere, and things aren't going so well, they're stagnant or even going backwards. No one much is getting converted. The disciples aren't noticeably growing in maturity. Numbers are steady or perhaps even declining. What then? What if apostolic ministry, what if you're doing the right thing, but it just doesn't work? Well, in a sense, a book or two is required to answer this question. And you can't say that I haven't tried that. In many respects, The Trellis and the Vine and The Vine Project, its sequel, are really attempts to answer this question. What happens and what should we think when our ministries don't measure up to the vision we have for them, when we're wanting to do ministry of the word and prayer and think we are, but nothing much is happening? And so providing an answer in 900 words to this very challenging question is rather difficult and a bit tricky, but I love a tricky challenge, and so I'm going to give it my best shot in six points. So here we go. First of all, beware any ministry author or guru who says that this kind of question is susceptible to a simple or short-term or monocausal answer, that there's one thing you just need to fix and do and all will be well. It takes time and it takes a lot of persistent effort and thought to diagnose what ails any particular ministry that is not experiencing healthy gospel growth and to arrive at some plan for, for change. The problem is almost always cultural, which is to say that it's bound up with a huge range of, of activities and structures and traditions and personalities and values that have been laid down in your church and ministry over time and that your ministry has come to embody and be. It's really one thing. It's usually the whole thing. And this takes time to figure out. I'm going to give two free plugs in today's podcast, and here's the first one. I'm a huge fan of what Craig Glassick is doing in the Vine Growers ministry. You can find out about them at vinegrowers.com. Craig does excellent work in helping churches to figure this out, to figure out the complex cultural nature of the problem and to walk through a culture change process over time. Get in touch with Craig to find out more about this at vinegrowers.com. So that's the first point. Secondly, as per my earlier piece on the principles of pragmatism, and you can find that on the website as well, it's very important that we also interrogate our circumstances and clarify in our minds what we mean by not working. What would our criteria be for saying that the ministry is working or not? What would working look like for us, theologically and contextually, where we're ministry? Numbers will no doubt be involved in this. Let's not shy away from that. But let's also be clear that 
we need to figure out which numbers are significant, which indicators or which factors really matter and why. So let's not fall into a worldly or superficial definition of what we mean by working. Thirdly, in describing apostolic ministry as a word and prayer ministry, I talked about the word part of that equation in these words. This is in the article a couple of weeks ago on Think Cosmic and, and Act Local. I said that the goal for churches is to create, foster, equip and organise as many effective contexts and opportunities as possible in which the word of truth is being spoken by the members of the body for the building of the body. I'll just run that past you again because it was a complicated sentence. Our goal in word ministry is to create, foster, equip and organise as many effective contexts and opportunities as possible in which the word of truth, the gospel, the Bible, is being spoken by the members of the body for the building of the body. So this encompasses not just the preaching that happens on Sunday, but the word ministry that reverberates throughout the congregation, throughout the ministry, and from there to those that we're in touch with, to the non-Christians we know and to the community around us. In my experience, one reason that word ministry or apostolic word ministry isn't effective is not that it's been tried and found wanting, but that it hasn't been tried enough. It's worth asking ourselves how many effective contexts or opportunities exist for word ministry in your church and among the non-Christian networks that you're trying to reach. How many people have been equipped? How many members of the body have been trained and helped and mobilised and encouraged and equipped to participate in these contexts and opportunities for word ministry? How well do these various efforts and opportunities align together and dovetail with one another and reinforce each other? Or is the word ministry of your church really pretty much just the Sunday sermon and not much else? The problem may be, and I'm just suggesting this, a truncated or inadequate ministry of the word. It may be that that's part of the problem. That's the third point. The fourth point is really the mirror image point about prayer. The same can be said in that direction as well. Is it that we've tried prayer and it didn't work? Or would a clear-eyed evaluation of our prayer lives, corporately, individually, as a church or ministry, would it conclude that we're falling considerably short of devoting ourselves to prayer? The problem may also be that our prayer ministry is truncated or inadequate as well. And that brings us to a fifth point. Experience and conviction, theological conviction, both suggest that if we create a church culture over time in which there are lots of effective interconnected word ministry contexts aimed at Christians and non-Christians and plenty of devoted prayer calling on God to work through these word ministries by his spirit, then by the sovereign work of God and under God, there will be healthy growth of some kind. But moving from a church culture in which that is not the case to one that is the case, it takes, well, a lot of hard, honest thinking and talking, a lot of sacrificial action, 
It means working closely with one another, forbearing with each other, and it means persisting in all of that over time. All of which is to say that it requires leadership and teamwork. And the sort of leadership I'm talking about is the kind of leadership that combines theological insight with the ability to communicate that with teaching ability, with godly character, and with a degree of competence to make all this sort of stuff work. It's the kind of leadership we see in the pastoral epistles, in their portrait of the elder or overseer. And this seems to me is where the whole idea of leadership development or improving and increasing our skills and character and self-reflection about leadership can be genuinely helpful. And here's my second free plug. I'm involved with the efforts that Reach Australia is making to provide this kind of leadership development. There's a leadership development program that, that Reach Australia is working on. And if you want to check out the link to um, find out about that, just go to reachaustralia.com.au and uh, you can follow the links there. Well, that brings me to a, a sixth and final point, which is in some ways a, a different but related way of expressing point five. And that is to say that sometimes the issue, if our ministry just feels like it's not working, sometimes the issue is one of tactics more than strategy. What I mean by this is strategy is the kind of overarching how of any particular operation. And the overarching how of ministry, as we've said above, is really quite simple. Lots of well-equipped, interconnected word ministry in and through God's people, and lots of urgent, persistent prayer. That's the big strategy. But in my observation, some pastors grasp this strategy clearly enough, but they aren't as thoughtful or gifted or skilled in how to actually implement it on the ground. How actually to get it done with the group of people that God has given us. How to assess and reform the various ministry structures or trellises that we have, how to work together as a staff team more effectively, so, and so on. And again, this is where an outside eye and some outside input or coaching or consultancy can be really useful. And both of the organisations I mentioned above, Vine Growers and Reach Australia, can help with this, and I'm sure there are others who can as well in your part of the world. All of which is to say after these six points, that God has given us three invaluable gifts to make apostolic ministry work, if I can put it that way. And they are firstly his powerful word that pierces through everything, his life-giving spirit that brings life through that word as we pray for it in response to our prayers, and thirdly the blessing of each other of being fellow workers not only with him through his word and spirit, but with one another. He's given us the joy of laboring alongside each other and benefiting from each other's gifts and wisdom. And that's really all that organizations like Vine Growers or Reach Australia or anyone else who's trying to help people in ministry, Matthias Media, my beloved long-time operation, that's all those different ministries are doing, it seems to me laboring alongside fellow workers and trying to help them from their particular gifts and wisdom. 
And let's face it, we really need this. We really need each other. Because in one way or another, all our ministries aren't working. Well, do those six points resonate with you if ministry doesn't feel like it's working where you are at present? I'd love to hear from you about it. Just send me an email at tonyjpain at me.com or if you're on the website, you can leave a reply underneath the article in the comments section. Really do enjoy hearing from you and and I've been enjoying responding uh, to the emails I get. I answer all of them and having some really encouraging and interesting conversations back and forward. So do get in touch. And finally, a reminder about becoming a partner or subscriber to The Painful Truth. Uh, you've got not much time left now to do that if you want to keep getting these uh, podcasts or newsletters every week. Um, you can send me an email saying that you just like to keep getting them every week. Um, I'm happy to do that for those who aren't in a position to become a partner. Or you can go to the website and join up. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Tony Payne. Bye for now.